Oh, hi. You're about to listen to another episode of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast brought to you by the Denver Chop House. The Chop House is located at 19th and Wine Coop in the heart of Lodo, right across the street from Coors Field. So stop in before Rocky's game, after the game, or heck, even during the game, although they're playing better now, so maybe you should wait until after. Go in there, have yourself a steak, a sandwich, belly up to the bar, enjoy one of their many fine craft beers, but make sure you visit the Denver Chop House and tell them the Colorado Sports Guys sent you, because they love us, we love you, now enjoy the show. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We are once again recording the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Of course, I am Nate Timmons, Jeff Morton is in the house, making his way all the way down here from Thornton, the king himself. I was going to say, King Thornton, Jeff Morton. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, we miss uh, our compadre, uh, compatriot, Ross Martin here, used to his dulcet tones, but uh, he is currently away birthing a, well, no, he's not quite having a baby yet, but it's going to be happening soon. Baby Watch 2014 continues. I, I hope I hope we will be informed when it happens, so we can congratulate him on podcast. But uh, yeah, so uh, Nate, how you doing? And Ross has been checking in with emails, fake emails, I think, telling us that he's listened to the shows and how well we're doing in his absence. But we they, both we they, both knew that we would thrive without him. Well, they're strangely encouraging. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a uh, it's a it's a break from the usual. <laughs> He's, he's probably trying to, once again, wiggle his way out of the podcast. We won't let him, because our listeners out there love Ross Martin and his zany take on sports and life. Our most popular member of the Colorado Sports Guys. Yeah, without a doubt. I come in a distant, distant third. <laughs> but to answer your original question, Jeff, I'm good. Yeah? You know? yeah, yeah. What are you up to this week? Uh, nothing. I just got done over the weekend. Had a bachelor party for one of my good friends, Mr. Dax Rossini. How was that? It was a good time. We spent the weekend just at downtown Denver, hanging out on rooftops, going to dinner, spending time with the boys. You know, it was good. Were you in Lodo? A little bit of Lodo here and there. Yeah. Yep. Did you guys take Uber around? Uh, we didn't. We just went on foot, man. We walked this fine pavement that we have. Although we did take Uber, actually. I parked at my buddy's house. We took Uber downtown. We stayed downtown. And then we also took Uber at the end of the day. We did uh, a regular Uber downtown. And then to get out of downtown, we did the... Uh, the increasingly popular Uber X. Uber X. That's what I uh, I took Uber last week, but you didn't make the you know you didn't do what I do and take it all the way from Thornton down to <laughs> down to Thirty uh, Eighth and Walnut. So, yeah, which is a little bit more expensive. But uh, which is again where we are today. We are at Jake's Food and Spirits, Thirty yes. Hundred Walnut Street, going to be the scene of the May twentieth Denver Nuggets draft lottery Absolutely. party. Freaking lootly. Two for one drinks down here. We're going to be packing the house, watching this lottery, see how it unfolds, see if the Nuggets can use one of those two chances to leap into the top three. And for those that are worried, there will be games going on. So it's not like we're showing up for a 20 minute segment and then leaving. Right. This is, you know. We're going to hang out, watch the playoffs. Just come and enjoy your fellow basketball fan. And that's, that's, 
really, I mean, it's the off season. What, what better than to sit around with a bunch of people who like basketball as well and just watch some games and maybe, maybe watch the Nuggets get a top three pick. And we're going to have some prizes as well, maybe some uh, some Nuggets memorabilia, most definitely some ticket vouchers for next season so you can go to some games. Absolutely. We'll get you guys all hooked up with all that fine See, we, stuff. We, we, we take care of you. Now, not necessarily Colorado sports guys. No. But Denver Stiffs takes Denver care of you. Denver Stiffs will take care of you. Well, Colorado <laughs> sports guys will take care of you in other ways, which we'll we talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah, because we do have some stuff to give away on the podcast. Yes. Maybe we'll do that next week since we forgot to look up anything for tonight. Yeah, we're, we're an organized lot. Oh, we? man. That's, that's all we <laughs> talked about, too, but whatever. Well, that's what we do. We spend a lot of time in preparation for things we never fulfill. So That is true. That is true. Well, let's get into a little talk. Uh, Jeff, I'm assuming you're doing well. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah. I uh, didn't, didn't really do much. Just uh, kind of worked. So uh, that's been, that was my story. I was, that's Sorry, sorry to not uh, stick it to us. Yeah, sorry, sorry to not have an exciting story here. I, I apologize to the listeners. Yeah, that is that's a sad thing. We are, <laughs> of course, both drinking uh, Titan IPAs. Yeah, from Titan Great Divide. Beer. I really like this one. It's I, a good beer. I usually drink the Cutthroat when I come here, Cutthroat Porter. But this one is, uh, I, I've really come to like the uh, the cut the Titan IPA. It's a nice one. I don't know if you tried it yet, but Lining Kugels has a summer shandy out, which is a lemonade beer. Mm basically just lemonade in beer and it is delicious i believe i had that a couple weeks ago yeah it's, it's good uh, heard a guy once compare it to fruity pebbles which i also love fruity, <laughs> those are delicious <laughs> fruity pebbles cocoa pebbles uh cocoa krispies anything that's lots of sugar i love so anything that's cereal that has like rock variant like pebbles you know, yes you're really gonna love okay yeah because like linus claza i eat rock <laughs> i eat rock well, let's dive into a little uh, nba talk here Let's start off with uh, the big news of the day coming out of the Bay Area. Mark Jackson, who leads his team to a couple, uh, a 47-win season, I think a 51-win season 51. or 50? 51. A- and he gets fired after the team <laughs> fails to get out of the first round. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been any different had they won in the first round and moved on to the second. I think Mark Jackson also knew that his time as the Warriors coach was coming to an end. No Probably. Matter, no matter what. Because the way he was kind of whining after the game was pretty much telegraphing how he knew. And, and he wore all black. All black. I heard that pointed out on another podcast, but very black. true. I, I also thought it looked weird. Like seeing him on the sidelines in all black, I was like, yeah. is he doing this for the Sterling thing or is this, what is this? It was his own yeah, funeral. I, I, it, didn't really, it, it was kind of odd. You know, but, you know, listen, it was a close game. And, you know, it could have gone either day. You know, they win that game, and, you know, he's still the coach right now. So, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to talk a lot with Sandy on last week, so I'm going to be motor mouthing it on this one. <laughs> Sandy. Oh, Sandy. Hell of a guest. Hell of a talker. Oh, Sandy. But that was a good pod. Uh, so, this whole Mark Jackson thing, he gets fired for. A lot of people are looking at it saying, wow, this guy did win 47 games, got a huge upset over the Nuggets last year. They played the Spurs pretty well last year in the playoffs. Uh, they come in this year with huge expectations. Sure, they get 51 wins, but they're still a sixth seed. And as we know, as Nuggets fans, it's very difficult to win in the playoffs if you don't have home court advantage. Even then, it's still a pretty yeah. tricky situation. And that team did fall short of expectation, even with some injuries. Yeah, and I don't think that uh, Mark Jackson was fired because of missed expectations either. That's a little too simplistic. 
there's a lot more going on in this situation than, than you know, even the public knows. But, I mean, there's just layers and layers and layers of intrigue in this. And, you know, quite frankly, there was also a coach that was coming into a year where he didn't have a contract. Was contract, was, was it up after this season? I think he had next Did he have next season? season? I don't know. Something, but. Was kind of hoping that he'd get an extension after last year, didn't come into that, and then got increasingly paranoid. He must have had a year because he was fired, yeah. so he didn't. He, he was just not year. re-signed. No. So, I mean, obviously he um, he uh, had some you know issues with trust. And it seemed to me, too, <laughs> that it was, it was basically his owner, uh, Joe Lacob, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Joe Lacob. And, and the GM there, Bob Myers, they just flat out had a difference of opinion with Jackson on – various issues and if your owner and your general manager don't want you there this is what happens well quite frankly from what from what i can tell in the reports that he went into that meeting and they just didn't give him an opportunity to present his case they just were like gone which is i mean they made up their mind and mama there goes that man mama there goes that man hand down man down down, man down (laughs) (laughs) but i mean mark jackson I think throughout his playing career, I remember I just read an article a couple weeks ago on when he was with the Jazz, how he tried to divide that locker room against John Stockton. Where mm-hmm. he was, and then he admitted to as much as being like, "Well, you know, I wasn't trying to form a mutiny. I was just kind of telling some of these other guys on the team, hey, you know, you should be doing this more, playing here more. And the reason why you're not is because of this guy. And it's like, <laughs> well, basically, you were, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you weren't, but you were, and that's that's kind of something where. It seemed to me that Mark Jackson had a lot of double talk like that, where he was like, well, I'm not really trying to do this. I'm not saying that, but then again, here's what I am. This is what I am saying, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Well, it says, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. But, I, I, you know, listen, he obviously isn't well-regarded in Denver. Um, he's had issues, and he's not exactly well-liked. I had a brief encounter with him. I had a Nuggets game this year, which was um, Kurt. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. And yeah, if he doesn't if he doesn't like your questions or where he thinks you're going with something, he just shuts you down. And, it was, and he'll answer it without even letting you finish, and it's not even what you're going to ask. Yeah, and it, it was very similar <laughs> to that. And you know, he he just this I don't know. I personally didn't like him, but that I mean that's this has nothing to do with whether whether he was a qualified coach. His team seemed to like him, obviously, but as we've discovered, there was kind of a religious aspect—not religious aspect, but the, there was a very common um, theme on that team, which was they all went to chapel together. Um, they all did that sort of thing and coalesced around a certain theme. That was locker room culture, and that's. One of the things, from what I'm told, it's one of the big reasons Andrea Godala found Golden State so appealing. Was that, that kind of culture that fostered from Mark Jackson, the guy who sleeps with uh, hookers or uh, strippers. <laughs> and I, I do think that you have to have on the team, you have to have that kind of locker room culture where you guys are working as one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to have what we're finding out that Mark Jackson maybe lacked is you know, wanting to put in the actual man hours of yeah. studying plays, incorporating stuff in practice, you know, and really getting his team to, to focus more on the details of the game, which 
anytime you know you listen to him on those wired segments on TNT where he's motivating his team, it was always like it always felt very fake or like yeah. does does he not have anything else to say? Is this all he really has to say? Is come on, men, we gotta get out there and win this one for the Gipper. You know, <laughs> it's like, it always felt to me like he knew he was on camera, right? You know, he's kind of putting on an act. And, and if it wasn't an act and it was just all he knew, then that's even more worse. That's even worse. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, he had his issues, and there's this, there's the rumors that have gone around that Mike Malone had a big, big hand in their success last year, and he's the, now the coach of the uh, uh, Sacramento Kings. So, I mean, Mark Jackson had a lot of issues beyond just, um, you know, uh, his owner hating him, you know. And it's it's... It's one of those things that, I mean, you, you saw their playoffs and you're thinking, like, oh, if they had Bogut, maybe they make the, the series more competitive, or you know, it was a competitive series. Maybe they steal another game they shouldn't have, you know. But at the same time, you know, the Nuggets didn't have Danilo Gallinari last year and they and a partially healthy Kenneth Fareed, and they fired George Carl. So It's kind of funny to think, too, like, if, if ownership knew that this was going to be the outcome, why not just fire the guy when you knew? You know, if you knew yeah. in January or if you knew in, you know, March or November, whenever it was that they knew that they wanted to go in a different direction, why not just make it happen then versus, you know, because you knew then, you, you knew now that you're going to face scrutiny of, hey, we had 51 wins and we had a team that was going up against this Clippers team that, you know, we weren't healthy. This guy didn't get a fair shake. Like, obviously, Golden State's ownership and front office didn't really care that they were going to face criticism with this firing. No. And, you know, and, and the, the public is the least of their worries right now. They've got a team that was very, very fond of Mark Jackson. So, obviously, they're going to have to have a, a hire someone who can get the trust of that team again, you know, because... Quickly, too. I yeah. Mean, you got Clay Thompson coming up on a contract extension, right? Yep. And you got Harrison Barnes, who's basically been you know put out to pasture this past year with. And they're up against it, I think, on the luxury tax, aren't they? So, I mean, it's going to be hard for them. All the moves they made to get under Gadala last year, um, all that stuff. They're going to have to move maybe some valued pieces or th- pieces that they think they like, you know, i.e. Harrison Barnes, to facilitate a contract extension for uh, well, no, for the long term for Clay Thompson, who I think is eligible for early extension this next year. So, so that's going to kind of bring us into uh, the second point we want to kind of discuss here, which is going to bring the Nuggets into the conversation, which is you know who might replace Mark Jackson in Golden State, and what does that mean for, for the Nuggets? And mainly one guy I'm thinking of is, is obviously Steve Kerr, who's suddenly become this hot name in the coaching world. Mm-hmm. And, is already kind of, you know, getting attached to this Golden State job. His, his name is already being thrown about there. If Steve Kerr does indeed go to the Warriors, that's going to leave two huge jobs open. The Lakers and obviously the New York Knicks, who are also courting Steve Kerr yeah. uh, because of Phil Jackson. And, you know, now that Phil Jackson doesn't get Steve Kerr, does he, you know, reach out to Josh Kroenke and say, could I perhaps talk to my, my protege, Brian Shaw? Could be. You know, that's uh, really Brian Shaw's name has been around, been hooked, uh, rumored out there for, let's say, both the Lakers and the and the Knicks job. I don't, I don't think the Lakers thing would would happen because they're trying to get away from uh, Phil Jackson's kind of aura anyway. Um, but <clears throat> the Knicks thing is very 
very interesting. And you never know what ha- can happen. Also, you never know if what will happen with Frank Vogel if the Pacers, you know, flame yeah. out in the second round. Yeah, to, I mean, it was it was very real that Frank Vogel was going to be dismissed had they lost to the Hawks. So oh, it yeah. Was, it was at least popular talk. So, yeah, you look at it again, and it's like, well, if the Wizards beat him, why would that conversation go away? You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's very real that maybe the Pacers job opens up and, well, the of course, Pacers, Larry Bird would maybe reach out to Josh Kroenke as well and say, hey, let me you know, talk to my former teammate, my former employee, yeah. Brian Shaw, who knows this team very well. And, and, you know, let's face it, that first game of the Pacers-Wizard series, the Pacers didn't look – they looked awful is what they looked like. And at, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of layers to this story. As far as uh, Golden State goes, though, you know, what if Steve Kerr goes there? You know, as you're saying, what if Steve Kerr goes there? And what does that do to move the coaching carousel around? Because Brian Shaw is a young guy, and that seems to be the trend in the NBA right now. Coaches that are young, and uh, a lot of them, we'll see, like in the case of Jason Kidd, you know, he's fresh from the court, you know, and the rest of them are just all young assistant coaches, youngish assistant coaches. So... Brian Shaw would fit into that mold. You know, he's not a, a heavy retread. I wonder, too, if, if we can uh, – we're hoping to maybe reach out and get Tim Conley on here again at some point, hopefully before yeah. the NBA draft. But that would be an interesting question to pose to him is – I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but let's say a team comes calling for Brian Shaw. Like, would you allow him to go interview somewhere or – you say, hey, no, you're the guy I hired. You're my hire. You're not going anywhere. Like, yeah. you have a contract here. This is your team. We like what you did, you know, in the second half of this past season, and we want to see where you can go next year with, you know, this team plus hopefully some improved pieces, you know. So. Yeah, I, that, that will be an interesting question to ask because at this point, you know, listen, I, 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 if I was going to put the chances, unless the Pacers job opens up, I'd say the chances, just speculation, would be pretty low that Brian Shaw goes anywhere. It's so obviously he has a relationship with Phil, but yeah, would you really want to go to New York and coach that team? Depends on how much he values Carmelo Anthony. If Carmelo Anthony's going to be there, that's really the the basis of it. You know, if he thinks that Carmelo can work well in the triangle set, then he'll probably consider it. I, I personally, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah. well, I, if I was a young and up and coming coach, I'd be like. I want to be in a situation where I have a chance. Here's one caveat. Trade J.R. Smith, and then I'm there. Like, <laughs> well, we tried that all last year. Well, so. <laughs> he, he had Lance Stevenson in, in, in Indiana. In Indiana, bait, Lance Stevenson, J.R. Smith. Mm. Yeah, kind of similar, right? Similar <laughs> type of weirdos. What do you, what'd you think about, about Indiana, or not Indiana, a Golden State and George Carl? What do you think of that match? That'd be interesting. I mean, I think, I think George would work well there. I just don't see them hiring him. Mostly because of, I mean, I hate saying this, but of his age. There, there, I, I mean, there wasn't, he didn't really have an opportunity last year by the time the Nuggets let him go to to have a proper chance to interview mm-hmm. for a job. So I would, I would, I don't know. I mean, how could you say no to George too? You know, I mean, yeah, he's true, saying he's he, in like the best health of his life and why, why wouldn't, I don't know what team it would be. I don't know if it would be the Warriors, but I would certainly think that He's got to get some interest this offseason. George is 63. And 63-year-old coaches don't get a lot of jobs. You know, and I, unless they were felt that they were on the verge of a championship, which you could 
argue that the owner may feel that way, and Joe Lacob may feel that way in um, uh, Golden State, you, you know, based on his actions. But I just don't see it happening. I, I, think, I think age is going to come back to bite George in this situation. He's not the age he was when he took over the Nuggets, you know. Which was basically what he is, you know, ten years yeah, ago. Like ten, ten years, years ago. like fifty-three or something, mm-hmm. you know. And I kind of looked too, and we were talking about this before the show. We compiled a list of thirteen new coaches last year. There's going to be six this year. That's sixty-three percent of the NBA changing head coaches. And this That's year, insane. you're going to have the, obviously the Lakers, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Jazz, Knicks, and Pistons so far. And that's not even. 19 not even, head coaching jobs in two years. Detroit twice. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking at that list of, of coaches right now, and it's like, could the Lakers possibly reach out to George? I think they got to they gotta make some kind of a splashy hire. You would think, unless they you know, kind of wanted to go with a, a Brad see, Stevens type thing. Can you see Kobe and uh, George working together? <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they always trade good verbal barbs during the postseasons and whatnot, but... <laughs> that, that would be funny, you know, and I, I don't see, you know, the Wolves job. Would George want to go there and coach Kevin Love until he demands a trade? Probably not. The Jazz, not really a, an ideal situation, although George would be pretty good there. You got the young point guard, Trey Burke, and some big guys there. I don't know, but. Well, I think that would depend if they re-signed Hayward. But, I mean, right now you've got a, you know, you've got a situation where there's some attractive jobs out there. And George is a high-class coach who is hampered by the fact that he is 63. But he's also a good, like, analytical coach, too, from the standpoint mm-hmm. of he loves, you know, shots at the rim, three-pointers, and free throws. I mean, a lot, that's, that's attractive right now. That's yeah. something that keeps him young, even though he's 63, is he's evolved with the game to where he was, he was ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff. You see a lot of two-point guard lineups out there now, most notably Phoenix running, you know, Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe very well together. And, you know, you look at Oklahoma City, Westbrook and Reggie Jackson is probably their best lineup. And, you know, I credit George for a lot of that innovative coaching to where, you know, yeah, he may be older. I wonder if he would ever take an assistant job somewhere. Oh, I doubt that. Like it would have to be a few more years or something. I mean, you know George better than me. I, I, I don't you know, from what I know of, I can't see him taking a back seat to anyone. But he's he's also a guy that that knows that there's value in that because he did it with Doug Moe. You know, he always and he was talking about it on ESPN the other day about you know these coaching staff. Why don't they have an old guy next to him? Like, why don't they? Yeah. Why don't they have an old guy? Well, you know, George, maybe maybe while you're still looking for a head coaching job, if something doesn't come to fruition in the next couple of years, maybe that's him. Maybe he, you see him, you know, be the offensive guru for some team or. I don't know. It, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. I mean, I, well, I hope George gets another job. I do. I'm, skepti- I'm skeptical that he will, but I hope he does. I don't see Lionel Hollins getting another job right now because I, <laughs> I think the way he came, went out of Memphis was with a fighting the general manager thing, which is a lot different from George, you know. And, I, you know, that's another retread coach who was very good in Memphis, very good. Yeah. So I, it's hard for, for coaches that are have been around the block in this day and age because, as you've seen, it's younger coach, younger coach, younger coach. college coaches. There's yeah. these brilliant minds. Brad Stevens like is, what, 39? Yeah. You know, you got Jorger, 
Budenholzen, if I'm pronouncing that right, Steve Clifford. Budenholzer. Like, like these guys that are coming around that, you know, that, they want to give these guys a, f- a first fresh start. That's what teams are looking for. It seems like is is a fresh start, where you don't want to rehire a guy like Larry Drew. And they're cheaper, you know. Well, although Dwayne Casey was uh, resigned in in Toronto, very much deserving, very much deserving. He did a very good job with a team that, if you would have said at the beginning of the year and after the Rudy Gay trade, they're thinking, well, maybe this team is trying to tank, you know. And then that situation so much like the Nuggets yeah. with Masai. I mean, he makes those two trades and it makes his team better, but how much better? Like, kind of hurt their ceiling, I think. Like, yeah. I think <laughs> I really do think that Masai went there going, finally, I'm going to be able to, you know, put a team together from scratch. I'm going to tear this whole thing down and I'm going to finally build a team the way I think it should be built. And now the team has screwed him over because they're too good. They're too good. <laughs> Yeah, from what I heard, from what I heard, they were desperately trying to shop Kyle Lowry, and it just wasn't right. And then the now time. they have to bring him back. And now, pretty much, the fans in Toronto will riot if he doesn't come back. I mean, that was a lot of fans. You <laughs> saw the people outside the building watching those games. I mean, I mean, who would have thought Demar Derozan would have been as good as he was this year? He wasn't in the playoffs, but I mean, who would have thought that he would have been as good as he was during the regular season? Uh, he wasn't on my radar, you know. You see that team too, and you're like. What are they really missing? Because, I mean, they have the huge center, Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. They have this huge guy. They have, you know, the wing scores and DeRozan, Terrence Ross, who's, you know, they could probably use an upgrade there, Kyle Lowry. But mm-hmm. it's like, man, what, what do they need, a power forward? Like, you know, good luck trying to find a, a, a top power forward. Obviously, they could have used Julius Randle or something like that. Yeah. Or, or Zach Randolph. What if Zach Randolph went there this well, yeah, offseason? That would be wild. Who was their uh, power forward? Uh, they used a combination of guys, Patrick Patterson, one of them. Um, Chuck Hayes, I think, might have played yeah. a little there. There's probably that's one right. other guy I'm totally forgetting. Yeah. At least. But that, that, that's an interesting situation. I'm kind of excited to see what they do. And, you know, if Masai has to, you know, kind of bite the bullet and re-sign Kyle Lowry there and <laughs> try to forge ahead with what they have well, like, see, like yeah, he be- did in Denver. Yeah, because, you know, with that trade, you kind of saw that they were projecting – that they were going to kind of tank this year. Not tank, but, you know, not play the young guys is the, the in-fashion thing to say now. And we want to develop our talent, see develop, what we have. Develop the talent, see, see how, where this talent goes. And then they ended up being far, far, far more competitive than they ever anticipated. But at the same time, it's kind of like the Nuggets when they traded Melo. It's like, well, you bring in these kids and they want to they wanna actually play. And, you know, of course, they have John Salmons, who is a waste of space. You know, they've got uh, Va- Gravis Vasquez, who's not great. You know, they have pieces that aren't, aren't, aren't spectacular. I see a lot of parallels to that Nuggets, the Nuggets and, so and, many. and the Raptors. So many of them. Even, even going there with a head coach that he didn't hire that he winds up giving an extension to. Same thing as George. George got an extension shortly after Masai came aboard because mm-hmm. of such a good job he was doing. And, you know, now you're kind of like, well, I didn't get to hire a coach. I uh, didn't get to really draft high in the lottery like I've never gotten to do because of <laughs> the same thing in Denver. So it's just funny to me, like, how similar those situations are. And It's extremely similar. You, gotta, you, you still have to wonder, you know, can now Masai's in the same situation as Denver. You bring Lowry back, and then can you make that move to go from good to great? And it's like, how the hell are you going to do that in Toronto? All I know is that I wouldn't trade with him. 
Right. <laughs> that's the other thing, too, is the book's out on that. Like, nobody wants to trade with Masai. So, and it always seems like the Nuggets, or at least our readers on Denver Stiffs, can always come up with a good trade with either the Knicks or Masai's team, the Raptors. Although, um, seem to uh, be able to unload Bargnani last year, which no one thought could happen. <laughs> so. And Rudy, too. I mean, Rudy was a pretty ugly contract that nobody thought, you know, was going to go anywhere. You think Rudy uh, picks up his... Uh option next year unless he has a guarantee that if he doesn't that they're going to sign him to a multi-million dollar extension yeah i'm really gonna be making that money making that sacramento money now yeah (laughs) it's crazy but there's there's still almost we're almost at a point in the nba where there's there's too many teams that need stuff and not enough which one's higher the supply is the demand is higher than the supply yeah and, you For know, all you economic people, tell me what that means because I don't know. The well, what's you know? They need to consolidate some teams, Jeff. The Nuggets, so these, the, you know, and that spirit, the Nuggets need to consolidate some talent. And maybe we can talk about this next segment. But you know, there's things that the Nuggets need to do, dependent on their their what happens with their draft picks. So, yeah, and the Nuggets are really kind of in a we just chat now. The Nuggets are in basically a, a holding pattern until the twentieth until they can really start to figure out a bit of a blueprint for what they want to do. Well, obviously, I think any draft applies to this. Anytime you get a top three pick, it changes everything, you know. Um, So if they get, say, like, say, like, we're all sitting here, that that stiff night out, right? Up comes the the Nuggets, and they get the number two pick. You know, after people go to the bathroom and clean themselves up after crapping themselves. <laughs> um, we understand that it's completely changed the scenario. But if it goes to where they think they're going to go, uh, 11, they could even drop as far as 13. Okay? That, I mean, if they end up in that, in that area right there, then, you know, it's kind of like you shrug your shoulders and go, where are we going to go? <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? And <laughs> You know, how attractive is that, tr- is that pick in a, in a trade scenario? Mm-hmm. You know, if on the, depending on the deal, it could be very attractive to teams that are looking to unload somebody that they're not enamored with anymore. If someone is really enamored with, a, like, a uh, Nick Stauskas or something like that, someone really wants to pick him up and they see him going at 11, that's when you're like, okay, have You know, you take this, but you're going to have to take... For example, JaVale McGee or something. You know, just if you could take this with this. Take our absolute biggest contract. <laughs> take, take our albatross, please. <laughs> He's only got uh, two years left. They'd be like, oh, we'll take Foy or Chandler. <laughs> We're not taking that. 34 $33 million left on, on, on that contract. Well, and I think that, I think that they really, really... The best way for the Nuggets to be able to unload some of that is with the draft pick. But that depends on how, you know, obviously, get the three pick number, you know, they get top three, they take the freaking pick, obviously, and then you go from there. You don't worry about the contracts after that, you know. But if they don't, you got the 11th through 13th pick in the draft, you think, okay, maybe I could use this and maybe a future first to get rid of, say, some things that we don't want to have right now and consolidate and maybe get that veteran leader that uh, Brian Shaw has been talking about the last month. God, I almost feel like 
he wants to do uh, like an NBA live where you create a player. You know, like he's, he keeps saying, I want this veteran leader that I don't know if it exists the way that he wants it to unless he already has specific people in mind and he's given like a short list to the Nuggets. Like, could see, see about these eight guys, you know, right here. You know, it could be, you know, it, uh, he, he may be our, our, our pal Chris, Chris, Christopher, don't call me Chris Dempsey, maybe think, you know, head would explode if they got Carlos Boozer. Could the <laughs> could the right guy come in and force Nate Robinson not to play music in the locker room and to pay attention in practice? <laughs> you know, I mean that's yeah. Those are the those are the things that we always come back Outside to. Outside of Kevin is, Garnett, I don't know if there's a, that person is out there. Right, and that's what we always come back to. Right, we always come back to you know the Nuggets got to find this leader. They got to find this guy that's going to come West. in here and help things out. David West, that, yeah. It could be a possibility, you know, something like that. Where David West is, would probably be fit in that category because you know he loves him. But def- I want to see if West is a free agent. Uh, I think he is. Pacers. Sham Sports. Say something, Jeff. You got to talk. <laughs> Here, get you in the middle of me chew. Um, I think he is a free agent. Because I think he signed a two-year deal last offseason. David West has a, what's 15-16 next year? Yeah. What does green mean? No, 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 14-15 is next year. 14-15? Oh, he's still under contract. He's got $12 million next year, and then he's got $12.6 million as a player option the year after. You think they would take Fareed? Yeah, I mean, they could, they'd probably be able to use... A bunch of pieces that Denver has if they wanted to make some kind of trade there, but God, I would not trade Fareed for David West. I wouldn't. <laughs> and there would be rioting in the streets. I would love happened. to see David West and Fareed on the same team. Like, I could go for that for sure. Why? They got to get rid of Hibbert. What if you <laughs> work at a, a blockbuster deal? Hibbert and West for JaVale <laughs> plus, plus, plus. <laughs> God, people would be driving to Pepsi Center and throwing eggs at Tim Connolly, if that happened. Wouldn't mind. I mean, who would you rather have, Hibbert on the roster or JaVale? Well, they're both useless. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Does Hibbert so, make more? <laughs> yeah, a few, <laughs> few million more. I think JaVale's around 11. Hibbert's well, at I'd 14. I'd rather have JaVale. <laughs> 14 and 15, yeah. It's like, I don't know. But that's, I mean, there's there's definitely some, some scenarios out there that, that we're not going to see coming that's, you know, probably going to get close to happening or will happen. I would love to have Tyson Chandler on the Nuggets, to be quite honest with you. And that's He's a, a veteran leader, can play the center. Would love to have Ty- Tyson Chandler on the Nuggets. Seems Absolutely like he's waiting to take some sort of leadership role that he's not allowed to in New York because of Carmelo. He was the difference maker on that 2011 Dallas team. Yeah, he was good. He was very good. And then he left. Mark Cuban let him go. You know? There's got to be a chance that you could trick Phil Jackson or James Dolan, who's already meddled in some of the business of Phil's, <laughs> said he wouldn't, already has, but <laughs> you would almost think that, God, is there a way to, to pry him away for you know, some of your some pieces that you don't want here anymore? Which, I mean, God, the Knicks, it's the Knicks. They'll, they'll do it. I'm say, you, you oh, okay. say, we'll give you JaVale. You will. We'll take. We'll take Tyson Chandler. <laughs> a one for one swap. One. <laughs> There's just mass partying in the streets of Denver. Wait a minute. Uh, did, did Tyson Chandler sign a contract or was he traded? He went there as a free agent, didn't he? Yeah. 
So he's probably got a couple of years left. Dallas just didn't even give him a sniff of a deal. Yeah, I think he's probably got a couple of years left on yeah. that. But oh well, I wouldn't mind it. And then I would love Tyson. Tyson Chandler would work perfectly and make this team work. He would. But you know, if he's got a couple of years left, I don't see the Knicks. I don't see Phil Jackson saying, "Hmm, that uh, that Javale McGee guy." And you got to wonder too. Like he said, he doesn't really want to toil somewhere that's not going to be in the playoffs. And you know, Denver could be very good with him. You think about it, Tyson Chandler, and then you got Mozgov coming off the bench. That'd yep. be a hell of a combination. All right, great. that's it. But I'm texting Conley. I'm going to tell him <laughs> you got to trade for Tyson Chandler. <laughs> Yo, Tim. <laughs> we figured it out. We have your trade in place. Nate, Here's the deal. Nate and I want to tell you something. A one-for-one one swap with McGee for Chandler <laughs> works on the trade machine. Meanwhile. Please forward to James Dolan. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Portland Trailblazers are getting absolutely annihilated by the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, tonight was uh, not a good night for basketball. Oh, it's sure. like the the polar opposite of the first round. Yeah, so far. Every game has not been competitive. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, second rounds are almost like that, right? At least the first game. First game, usually you'll see some bad ones because teams are... You know, coming off emotional first round series, they're kind of drained a little bit, and for whatever reason, it just they don't match up as well in the first game or two. Uh, and that's uh, for those of you who are on the Portland bandwagon, that's uh, got to be disappointed. I'm on that bandwagon, <laughs> and I'm off. Was yeah. there anything that's in this second round that that you've liked thus far, or any series that you've been looking forward to watching before? Oh, I love seeing the Clippers completely annihilate the Thunder. That was fantastic. I'd love to see them sweep. I mean, I Thunder. never really was a big Clippers fan, and I don't like Chris Paul. Yeah, but you know, to be honest with you, I'll take them pounding the Thunder any day. I've any taken day. I've taken a liking to Blake Griffin. And I, I didn't think I was going to get to the point of where I started to like his game. And I really, like, he's hitting jumpers. He can handle the ball. You yeah. know, he seems to be stepping up in big spots. I don't know, man. He like, has really stepped up quite a bit. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he has expanded his game a lot, and he's a good passer. You know, he's a good passer. He's great on finding, I mean, you know. He's Kenneth Fareed's role model on fast breaks. Yeah, and if, if Fareed was... I mean, he a handles better, like a point guard. It's yeah, unbelievable. And if Fareed had had Blake's ball handling skills, I, I could definitely see say Kenneth, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> How did you see that series shaking out? Like I had, I think I I said Clippers in seven. Um, I had the Clippers in six, and I think after viewing the last game. It may be Clippers in five. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what game two does because you know one game. Does the series not? There is there is not a le- a less impressive coach outside of Frank Vogel than Scott Brooks. Yeah, that He's, is that is the most uninspiring offense I have ever seen. He, like, how about you, uh, Westbrook ISO and Durant ISO? You just leave it to you guys. I'm just going to sit here with my glasses and look like I'm concerned. You know, yeah, you'd almost <laughs> have to think that if if they don't go to the finals, they got to go in a different direction with their head coach. I mean, Oklahoma City can't. You can't waste another season because Durant, unless you start winning in the finals, who won the MVP award today, is leaving that team. He's out of there. I I have no doubt he's out of there. I have zero doubt he's out of there. But listen, it's that's 
it is what it is, but I mean, I mean, their immediate problem is. Can they, you even get Westbrook to play a different way, though? You know, they have no volume, no no ball movement on that team. No, there's no ball movement. There's like one pass, maybe. But they also have problems where their best lineup is when it's Reggie Jackson out there with Westbrook and with Durant because Thabo Sevalosha, Karan Butler. Yeah. Those guys are just—they can't—they can't get it done. Well, and, and Karan Butler is basically breathing dust. He's so old at <laughs> yeah. this point. So I mean, I, I, it is, and the the you know people hailed uh, Sam Presti as this genius. Um, Jeremy Lamb can't, and his small head can't get off the bench. Um, Perry Jones never sees the court. Um, you've got. Kendrick Perkins and the worst contract ever signed. <laughs> yeah, Nick Collison. You know, I, I don't know about that team, man. They just, sure, you got Ibaka and Durant and Westbrook, but they just don't seem to work well together. They traded James Harden. They, they made their bed. So. I would almost, I would trade Westbrook in the offseason and let Reggie Jackson run the point. I thought they were a better team when Reggie Jackson was running the point. Yeah, and think but. of what you could get. You could probably get two to three pieces you could probably get a legitimate shooting guard. Like, what if they trade her for a Flalo? Yeah. Make a trade with Orlando. They need to, you know, send a Flalo, Jameer Nelson, and one of their young big guys for freaking, uh, what's his face? Westbrook. <laughs> old, what's his face? <laughs> old, what's his face? Or as my dad calls him, angry face. Yeah. But, I mean, if you put, if you put more floor spacers on that team, and, you know, so you couldn't just triple and quadruple team Durant. I mean, Reggie Jackson's a fine point guard. If you had if you had a Flalo at the two guard instead of Butler or, you know, a 40% three-point shooter that actually can play make a little bit, play some defense, like, you know, I don't know, man. Oh, that, well, why would we want to make them better? I don't know, but I, I think that's the move in the offseason is you trade Westbrook for, for two or three pieces. Yeah, but that could also be conceived perceived as a panic move, too, because if you're worried about, about losing Durant, you know, I mean, there's no guarantee that would work out, and they've kind of proven that they've got something with them. Yeah. But the thing is, and Westbrook was gone for how many games this year? 30-something? At least 50, and 60. He when, played twice. <laughs> and when Reggie Jackson was running the point, they were a better team. It's because he's a true point guard. And Westbrook's he, a score-first guy on a team that doesn't need him to be a score-first guy. Yep. If you sent him to Orlando where he could go for 50 a night, he'd be happy. Yep. And the team would probably suck. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the Russell Westbrook is not uh, not the not the kind of guy you need when you already have an alpha dog. Because I, I look at the Blazers, you know, and the Blazers obviously have, you know, Damian Lillard, who's a, a very much a, a scoring point guard that makes it work with Lamarcus Aldridge, and Aldridge is, you know, the Durant of that team, the guy that you run your offense through and. You hope goes for forty a night, and the other guys around him just compliment him so well, you know. And it's, it just seems like with Durant, there's just not a complimentary team around him. Well, the, let's face it, the Blazers lucked out with Damian Lillard, big time. That was the, let's you know, let's there's fortune favors some you know the certain teams some sometimes they needed some draft. Luck. Maybe they needed some draft luck because they had had such terrible draft luck. But let's face it. Um, no one thought Damian Lillard was going to be as good as he is. And they've really, really lucked out there. Otherwise, they would just be a mediocre team. It's going to be very... It looks... Watching this game, Portland obviously looks frustrated. They can't really get much going. 
it's looking like it's going to be Spurs Clippers. And I did not really, I think I said it before on the show that I didn't believe in the Clippers unless they went out and proved it to me. And they seem to kind of be doing that. We'll see how the rest of the series they goes. overcame a lot in that first round. Okay. That's the, that is an immense distraction that I don't know how many teams could overcome. And they over, not only they overcome it, they went into the first game against Oklahoma City and just annihilated them. Yeah, and their first, they, they really only threw away one game in that series. It was the 24 hours after the Sterling thing happened. Yeah, and, and there's no they chance terrible. to win that. Yeah. But they bounced back after one game. It yep. was like one game, and then boom, they're right back into it. Mm-hmm. That's, maybe that's a credit to Doc Rivers, you know? Doc, you know, I think so, yeah. Big Doc, time. Doc Rivers is a good coach, and he's very good at protecting players from these sorts of things, you know? Um, they said, I was listening to Simmons and Rick Bucher were saying that Doc Rivers was, people were going to him like, hey, what should we do with these advertisements in the arena where these people have pulled out? And like Doc Rivers was like managing everything, everything. Well, their uh, executive, uh, I forgot his name. It's like, where's their GM? He, uh, it's not Neil O'Shea, is it? Was he, no, is he that, yeah, no, not Neil O'Shea. I think it's, they uh, fired him it's, uh, after one year. It's um, um, something Rose something. Anyway, he. Um, uh, Malik Rose. Malik Rose. Is Malik Rose. <laughs> he does it all. <laughs> How did you pull out Malik Rose? I was trying to think of Rose. I was like, Jalen's too, too unbelievable. Jalen and uh, Derek. Um, but they had that, their executive who was running things resigned, or not resigned, was, was on indefinite leave of absence now. So basically, Doc is running the whole organization now, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, he's like, can I go back to Boston? <laughs> They're less racist there. <laughs> uh, that's not true. <laughs> so we got these series. It looks like it's going to be Spurs. It looks like it's going to be perhaps the Clippers, um, which is unfortunate. I thought Portland was going to be able to do something. Maybe this one game doesn't mean everything, but then again, I think it does. <laughs> Sometimes you know. Yeah, and on the eastern side, you know, I said Heat in five. I just was not impressed with what I've seen out of the Nets all year. I didn't believe in this resurrection. And Jeff, they're, I guess, your team. You love the Nets. Oh, yeah. As you proclaimed on stage. I want them to win. You love this no salary cap. Who cares about it? I'm oh, spending yeah. my billions. Yeah, I love it. I love it because he, like, basically said, you're a salary cap. Nyet. <laughs> in Russia, salary cap run you. <laughs> Or you run salary cap. I love that. I love that in-your-face kind of thing because it was like all these all these people were in a tizzy in the summer, like, I don't know how much money he's spending here. As if money means everything, you know? It's his money. He can do what he wants with it. And like we've seen, too, I mean, just throwing money at something doesn't mean that it's going to work yep. or not work. But, I mean, I, there's definitely plenty of Nuggets fans that I'm sure wouldn't mind if the team spent whatever they're spending on payroll. You know what I mean? It's like no fan base is going to be like, no, spend less, please. Like, don't, please. don't break all those rules. Mr. Feinstein checking in. He's out of here. Curtain closed. Once again, we're back in our private booth here at Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. And then we have the, uh, the Wizards and the Pacers series where you've been itching to write the Pacers off for about three months, Jeff. I do not like their game. Uh, they play an ugly brand of basketball, um, and I always thought the anointing of certain players on that team after last year was way premature. 
considering that they just kind of maybe benefited from having a very generous interpretation of the verticality rule for Roy Hibbert. But then again, you also love John Wall, and he is going oh, to be I anointed to Wall. Super Duper Star. But he's earned series. it more. He has earned it more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like Paul George. Paul George is like, whoa, you know, there. You know, he came out of nowhere. This is like, this is like John Wall has grown. And the best it. player on that Wizards team might be Bradley Beal. And he's great. Yeah. I like him more than Jennifer Beals. Who's Jennifer Beal? Flashdance. What about Jessica Beal? Or Jessica Beal, Colorado, uh, Colorado's own. Jessica if we're ranking Beals, I'll go Jessica Beal first. Who's the girl you're talking about? The girl from Flashdance? Yeah, uh, I'll put her Jennifer two, Beale. and I'll put three as Bradley Beal. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my rankings. <laughs> I really like Bradley Beal's game. I really do. I mean, I that's why you, I wrote about that today. I said that's why you're going to find out in this series if you're watching it why the Thunder explored James Harden for Bradley Beal for that pick so they could take Beal, yep. why the Nuggets were rumored to trying to be climbing up to that third spot so they could take Bradley Beal. You know, they, they wanted him, and that's really pr- pr- proved to be a, a massive gap in their uh, team is the two. And he might be behind. I mean, going into next season, if you're looking at it, it's going to be Harden's going to be no, your number one shooting guard. Is there a number two besides Bradley Beal? You know, I mean, he might get climbed that high next season. Boy, I don't know, because he's going to be due with some money. Who would you rather have, Beal or Aflalo? I'd rather Beal. Is there anybody else out there you can think of that you'd rather have than Bradley Beal? Would you rather have Harden or Beal? I'd rather have Harden. No, I mean. So one and two? Basically, you can't really. I mean, Harden doesn't play defense, but you can't. You can't, you, deny you can't deny his ability. <laughs> you throw him on a good defensive team, and you're just fine. You know, yeah. you have a whole team of sibs on well, defense. You know, there. He did play defense in Oklahoma City, and he just hasn't in, 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 for some reason in Houston. Well, just, I mean, the the burden there. I mean, the minutes. Obviously, his minutes have gone from you know twenty to twenty five a night in OKC to thirty five. Yep. You no, know, you're on the floor more. You're asked to shoot twenty times a game versus you know ten to fifteen in OKC. So. That's right. He's just he's carrying a much bigger workload, but it's not a total excuse for not <coughs> trying yeah, to play defense. Not, basically not trying. <laughs> it's like I mean, there's been a lot of Michael Jordan is a pretty good two way player. Pippen, excellent two way player. You know, I mean, you, uh, listen, you, you don't have to just work on one side. We have talked about those '90s teams and stuff like that, but let's face it: the reason the Bulls worked is because Pippen and Jordan played both ways. You know, and you you can't have just a bunch of one way players. You know, you have to have a commitment both ways on these teams. That's why that's why teams like the Bulls and the Pacers have a ceiling, because the Bulls, as we found out, you know, even they over you overachieved again this year. But let's face it, you, you know, if you basically have no offense, you're not going to go anywhere. Same thing with the Pacers. You have no offense, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, vice versa, if you're all offense, no defense, you're you're not going to go anywhere. You have to have a balanced approach and a commitment. I mean, let's face it, you know, as much as we detest the heat, I, I don't really. But, I mean, if most, most people detest the heat, but you got to say they got a buy-in, you know, and they do it, they do it both ways. I'd be very curious to see what Denver does in this offseason and if they can really bounce back and get into the playoffs next year. Like the playoffs have been so wide open, like the West. The I'm more West, encouraged. The West just seems winnable, especially yeah. next year with, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Duncan this offseason. 
it just seems like it's so wide open. I, I honestly think if Duncan retires, maybe you'll have the Clippers. You know, maybe he's the best team in the, in the conference. Oklahoma City's due for a step back. And regular season-wise. I mean, you, just, you don't have these huge windows, you know. And I, 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 I guess I wouldn't fault OKC if they just kind of did some minor tinkering and kept moving forward. I still hate that they traded James Harden. I thought that was the dumbest move that we'll probably see in 30 years. Well, they, they, they killed their they, – they, they basically took their ceiling, which was sky's the limit, and made it conference finals. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think, you know, even watching Ibaka, the whole debate between Ibaka or Harden – it's like Ibaka is a fine player. You know, he's, he's going to be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year for the next five years, you know, or more. He's a very capable offensive guy that doesn't like to play with his back to the basket in the post. He's much more comfortable hanging out on the outside and shooting jumpers on a team that loves to hang out on the outside and shoot jumpers. You know, I just, I don't know. I would have I kept both if I owned the team. I would have said to hell with the money, but I would have kept Harden over Ibaka every day of the week. I would have kept Harden too. But I mean, you can you couldn't you, you don't think Stephen I don't know I mean you found Stephen Adams you don't think you could probably find a guy in the draft or trade for Thomas Robinson you well, know maybe know. Perry Jones would be in the lineup now you know maybe <clears throat> I just don't know it's it's they Sam Presti has been hailed as a G, I've always been bothered me it's just like someone's been pointing out in this comment section of Denver Stiffs basically Sam Presti's been making a lot of bad moves for like a couple of years now. And it just doesn't get noticed because Durant is so good. Is it crazy how the comment section on Stiffs, I mean, our last month of the season, it was like a desert wasteland. Yeah, we, we, were, getting, <laughs> we were getting like 100 comments. For, All of a sudden the know. playoffs kick up, and no matter what you post, it's just a free-for-all <laughs> basketball talk. And well, I told, awesome. I I told them today, and this is a tribute, and I know all of you are listening. It's a tribute to them because I don't think we'd be posting with near the frequency we are right now. No, if I'm trying to we, come up with ideas because I'm like, <laughs> man, it's a feeding frenzy. Whatever you give these guys, or they want to talk about. Or I looked down at the site one day, and there's a thousand comments on, a, on an article, and I went, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even going to read through this. I'm just going to post another article now, so you people have somewhere else to chat. But it's a tribute to. The, I mean, you guys have stepped up. The, the Stiffs readers have really stepped up, and um, you know, hopefully, we can. Uh, they're, well, they're replaying the Damian Lillard shot. That's pretty sweet. Look at that look on Dwight's face. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been it's been great to experience that, and an engaged community is is perfect, and I think it's going to be insane for the the draft uh, yeah. lottery party. And it's going to get even better, man. Once we know where the Nuggets are going to pick, we can start really formulating what they're going to do. You know, if you get that top three pick, it's going to be the question is who do you take? If you don't get yeah. that pick, the question is. What do you do with the pick, and who do you take if you keep the pick? You yep. know, I mean, there's just well, it's it's really the we haven't picked Nuggets haven't picked this high since 2002, since Mello, right? Yeah, 2003. Mello was the last, the last. Uh, Where they pick with pick. this? Where where was Skeeta, Skeeta taken? That's five. Yep, the season before him and yeah. Nene. Still pissed they didn't take. Amare or Karan Butler and people Nene. don't realize what an amazing trade that was by Kiki Vandeweghe to get to unload both Nick Van Exel and uh, trade Antonio McDice 
for what became Nene for Nene. Nene and Camby. Cam and you know that and was Frank Williams. And then left. and then people don't remember this. Antonio McDyess didn't even play for another year after that for the Knicks. So essentially, the Nuggets got a player they kept for almost ten years, um, and for, or just about ten years, and Marcus Camby, a player they had for about five six years, for a player that didn't even that played for the Knicks for one one season. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 you know Kiki made a lot of bad moves. That was a really good move. I thought Kiki did pretty well, man. Uh, I liked how he kind of built the team in, in most ways. I I don't like his decision on the uniforms. Uniforms. I'm still kind of <laughs> ticked that he let Doug Moe talk him into Earl Boinkins, but whatever. And I, I still I always kind of wonder because there is there was so much buzz. I don't know if you remember it at the time about Gilbert Arenas wanting to play with Carmelo. And then the Nuggets basically stonewalled him in free agency, and he had no other choice but to sign with the Wizards. But he wanted Denver. Yeah. Like he wanted Denver to at least bring him in. And imagine I don't know if he was using that, it as leverage. But Imagine that team with Melo and Gilbert Arenas. That would have been interesting. Gilbert Arenas in his prime. But I think a lot of people would have been, would have been fun having Gilbert in Denver at that time. I mean, he was so uh-huh. popular. He met some kid on, was it Twitter? Or it was somewhere else. He met some, ki- some fan and then was regularly hanging out with the guy. Like, he just seemed like a really cool... Maybe he gets to Denver and he's not getting into Bure games on the, on the team plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Probably still would have. <laughs> no, he didn't have to go back and show someone his guns. Um, but at this point, it's like... It's like we got to experience Allen Iverson. And you know, let's say what you want about Allen Iverson. It was, it was, we can, as Nuggets fans, we can say... We had Allen Iverson here for a year and a half. You with know, Carmelo. With Carmelo. That was pretty cool. And that was pretty cool. You know, we had, we had the answer here. Say what you want about Allen Iverson. We had him here. My dad, to this the old school as you get, loved Allen Iverson. Thought he was the fun, the, one of the most fun players in the world was. As Nuggets fans, we got to watch that. That was almost so, a very Oklahoma City-esque team. Yeah. It was Iverson as Westbrook and Melo as Durant. It was bring the ball up the floor, give it to them, and get out of the way. <laughs> Remember that uh, game they when they played the Sonics uh, and they scored 168 points in regulation? Yeah, it was crazy. That's that's insane. That's absolutely insane. That was Durant was on that yeah, Sonics team. That was a bad Sonics team. <laughs> Robert Swift had just undergone like 48 hours of tattoo work. Yeah. <laughs> I want to remake myself. <laughs> I will build rebuild myself with tattoo. Um, yeah, but anyway, we're talking about that. But as far as the Nuggets go. Uh, you know, we haven't had a pick this high since then. We don't have Bernie Bickerstaff here to think that, you know, just trade back to slot 23 and draft a player no one's ever seen. Yeah. You know, or maybe we do. We're, <laughs> we're, we're already starting to get, I've, I've seen some of the commenters talking about, uh, probably going to butcher his name, Barrio, Dario Saric or whatever. Dario Saric. And that scares the crap out of me. I'm like, don't start falling in love with this guy. No. I trust him a little more because he it was scouting background. And he really, I think he hit something with a Lavernia who hasn't been here yet. Well, that's another thing we, have, we need to talk about. They gotta bring, they're going to bring over, at least from what I'm hearing, they're going to bring him over. And the most recent thing I saw with him was uh, he did a very Nene-esque uh, forehead to forehead, which turned into shoves, which turned into some light punching. And he got in a nice little brawl over there in Europe. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> light, light punching, like, you know, like. You know, they kind of maybe took a couple of swings, but it wasn't like malicious, like truly malicious, which is good. I mean, if you're going to find a guy that's willing to throw down and go one on five in a brawl, 
that's the kind of guy this team needs. Mm, maybe man. that's the toughness they need. Yeah, I mean, get another guy in here that's a that's a banger on the inside. Because you I'm got all for that, you know. Because you know, Kenneth Fareed, as I think people have known right now, other teams don't like him, and they do take shots at him. Yeah, he's he's he, like Blake Griffin. He's becoming he, just like yes, that. And when he does get hit, he does tend to act a little, which makes people pissed off even more. So if you had someone on the team like Lavernia, who's like, okay. The, you, you need to to get off my my buddy uh, uh, Farid. Uh, Is that Serbian we, accent? Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> no, you he, see Farid too. Like if he gets hit, he lays under the hoop like he's been hit with a cinder block. No, it's like he's been <laughs> shot. Remember Mozgov he used to, to do like that? four people come over and he's wiping his eye and kind of staring off into the sunset. And it's like get up. <laughs> I, just, I just you're sitting there saying get up. You were not hurt that bad. I just like remember uh, Mozgov was like that. Remember, he'd get his hurt his ankle, and he'd, he'd just scream uh, at the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the deep thunderous. It's like, what is that, a bear? <laughs> it's some Russian bear. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, we hit on it all. Mark Jackson, the Nuggets, Brian Shaw, George Carl even got in here. We got some draft talk in. I think we're good, man. I think uh, we covered the bases. We've, uh, we, we, should, we decided to um, make this one a little more user-friendly, a little more you can, you can take this one in your, your pocket because it's – you know. I saw the uh, the Rockies. I saw a game winner over the weekend, or maybe Charlie, last week. Charlie Culberson, no one. Yeah, the walk off homer. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was cool. Yeah, they, the Rockies that. are doing good. Rockies are getting good enough to where I'm starting to bandwagon them a little bit at some point. I don't. <laughs> I don't. If I know there's a game on, I turn to Root Sports to check the score, and then I usually look at it and then turn to channel back to the NBA. Yeah, the NBA. yeah that's what I've been doing. That's and what I've been doing. The Avalanche, heck of a season by them as well. I don't. I don't think we got to wrap on, uh, well, on them. Hey, hey, you know what? I felt I felt I'm not a hockey fan, but I think Avalanche fans should feel as encouraged about their future as I was after the Nuggets took the Lakers to seven games a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a young team that you know that's looks like it's making the steps. Hopefully, got a good learning experience. It was kind of a shame, you know. I, I, you see, like the Avs get some opportunities in overtime, and then they they ultimately lose, and you're like, God, it sucks to have your season end that way, and. Not to be able to go test your medal against, you know, uh, the Blackhawks who've won two cups in four years. You know, it's like that'd be kind of cool to see that. But at the same time, like you said, a lot of good stuff to take away. Yeah, absolutely. And I, hopefully, the various hockey fans in Denver are encouraged by this team and will continue to support them in the next year. Yeah, because Josh Kroenke is our, as our friend Andrew Feinstein told us, very excited about his Avalanche. Yeah, I'm. I, I am continue to be impressed at his ability to pretend like he no. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to him too during the season. I ran into Josh at practice, and we wound up talking abs for the thirty seconds that we you know got to talk, and it was he was very excited about it. So at least they, it, it seems like they have the owner there, they have his attention. Mm-hmm. So that does what we can really ask for, I guess. Right. At least he's not trying to sell them, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, all right, man, we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we won't. We don't really need one because we know everything. Well, we, we are the best. That is true. That's why you listen to us. That is true. Shout out, Ross Martin. Hope you're doing well on Baby Watch, man. Maybe you're watching a little of uh, your, your guys' car show. Top Gear. Top Gear. There you go. Okay. So It should be your car show, too. Have fun with that, Ross. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>